Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Proper Class Podcast. I'm Laura Checkley. And I'm Hannah Chiswick. And we are of course here to celebrate all things working class because if we don't, who the bloody hell will? I've got my dog on my lap and I said it like my dog then. Brilliant. It's a new career for you. Britain's Got Talent. Who the bloody hell will? As always, we sit down with a working class hero to celebrate their life and achievements and discuss just how they got to where they are today. So who are we celebrating this week, Law? Well, do you know what? Sometimes, dear listener, I worry that we might be spoiling you by bringing you brilliant guest after brilliant guest, but we think you deserve it. So this week is no different. Coming from a large Northern Irish family, this week's guest hails from my neck of the woods, Croydon Massive, and also, like me, studied at the UK's only entirely free performing arts school, the Brit School. I like her already. I like her already. With a CV to die for, she's been gracing our screens in programmes such as Idris Elba's Sky One Comedy in the long run, The Office, Self-Centred, Death in Paradise, Call the Midwife, the Emmy-nominated series Joe All Alone and has been hitting the big screen too in films such as Wimbledon, King of Thieves, Girl on a Bicycle, Riot, Everybody's Going to Die and British feature film Bull. She can also often be seen hosting on shows such as Something for the Weekend, Sunday Brunch and The Right Stuff. But she is perhaps best known for playing Carly Wicks in the nation's favourite soap, and my favourite soap too, EastEnders. In 2021, our guest was selected by BAFTA to be part of the Elevate programme, which supports working class and other underrepresented talent. Not content with all of that, she has a fantastic stage career too, appearing at the National Theatre in the play Great Britain in the acclaimed West End run of One Man, Two Governors, and recently she played the iconic role of Beverly in Mike Lee's wonderful play Abigail's Party. What an amazing part that is, right? <laughs> You're right, Sue. Something like that, isn't it? She has also been in two noble Kingsmen and the Rover at the Royal Shakespeare Company, as well as numerous other prestigious theatres across the UK, including the National Theatre Studio, the Raw Court and the RSC. She's done it all, blimey. <laughs> she has been nominated for Celebrity Supporter of the Year three times, which she won in 2019. This is an amazing thing that she won for as well, for raising awareness of women giving cord blood at birth, which can then go on to help those dealing with blood cancer. Oh, wow. She ran the Marathon for Dementia Awareness in memory of her friend Barbara Windsor, and she's also an ambassador for the Anthony Nolan charity and Mencap. And on top of all that, she's mother to twins, so she has my undying admiration. (laughs) And on top of all of that, Hannah, she is best mates with our brilliant producer, Michelle. So she is clearly a woman of dubious, I mean, discerning taste. Listeners, give a huge proper class podcast welcome to the brilliant and quite frankly overachieving Kelly Shirley. Woohoo! And that's cut down and all. That's cut down and all, isn't it, Hans? Stop. (laughs) You know when you get like a flurry of nose from a load of self-tapes and you feel a bit shit and then you hear this and you go, I feel all right now, actually. It's amazing, though, isn't it? Because, like, obviously we talk about this all the time about work ethic and it's part of that because you you do so much and it's not just as an actress. You're you're writing as well and you're running marathons and you're doing this, that and the other. I just, yeah, like, is it? do you think it's a working class thing? Do you have to keep going? Do you have that sort of, I've got to keep working, I've got to keep, no matter what it is? Yeah, I do. I think it's that kind of like survival of the fittest kind of thing. And 
I mean, if, if if we don't like carry on like doing the writing and putting ourselves forward, who they, no one else is going to do it for you, are exactly. they? No, no exactly. one's going to have the fight for yourself or for, for what you believe in other than you. And um, I'm, I'm a bit of a scrapper and I, I, like, I like it. It's definitely part of my mentality. <laughs> yeah. So, Kelly, we start every week by asking our guests if they could take us back to a place that really reminds them or connects them to their working class past, where would they take us? So where are you going to take us today? Right, OK, I'm going to take you both to uh, Selhurst Park, home of the amazing Crystal Palace Football Club, yes. which I love so much. Um, and I take you back there to probably the early 90s, mid 90s when I was a kid and I used to go and watch the games with my dad um, and, and my mum actually. It's a bit of a family affair, my brother. Um, and we would go to a lovely Chinese chippy called Lap Hings. We'd start off there and we'd get a lovely pie and some chips. And then I go to the corner shop and I get a sherbet dib dab and um, loads of other sweets and be off my tits on sugar just <laughs> watching Crystal Palace and um, it was just like the, the best time and I'm still a big Eagles supporter and it's something that's really important in my life because my dad became um, a youth team coach when I was in my teens. Wow. Oh nice, nice. So it's yeah that Crystal Palace is for me it feels like very very working class, being, being around all the, all those people just singing and shouting and and South London. I just think it's just got such a it's such a brilliant place. Well, we, um, we, we know it well. We know it well. I actually used to uh, live on that road. Did you? So I lived on that road about five doors up from the football stadium. Yeah. So on match days, I could open my windows and hear the commentary, and I'd often have like the police horses on my driveway yeah. when I come out. Yeah. So I literally lived... Shitting everywhere. Yeah, and then I moved in with Hannah for about three, four years and um, I was there too, wasn't I, Han? Wow. So, yeah, we lived right on that road. Yeah, know it really well, know it really well. And I'm a huge footy fan, so Who I've, do you I've support? been to Sellers Park. I am a Liverpool supporter. Now, hear me oh, out. Because okay. uh, my stepdad's my stepdad's a scouser and he's been with my mum since I was three. Okay. And so our family team was QPR. And as a kid in the 90s, it was like Liverpool or fucking QPR. You're going Liverpool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm a Liverpool supporter. So, But it does feel inherently working class. I think it gets a bad rep, football well, and it's football fans. Now. I know they can be a nightmare. But when we were growing up in the you know, late 80s, early 90s and onwards, like it felt... It didn't. It wasn't corporate like it is now. It didn't have like the Malcolm Glaziers, and mm. it didn't have people having those ridiculously lucrative sports deals. And and um, yeah, because season tickets are like unbelievable, aren't yeah. they? They're oh, it's so like elitist, isn't it? To, I know. It, it, know. It's, cha it's changed now. You, it used to just be about football when you, you know, <laughs> it sounds silly, yeah, but it yeah. did. It used to be about football, and now it's about everything other than football, isn't it? In a, in a way, yeah. it's become such a massive yeah. corporation and, yeah, a bit ugly in, in a way. It's, I think, though, the women's game, I feel, is injecting the family spirit again a little bit. Like, when I went I went to see England uh, women's in the final. Did you? Um, the Euros, and it was incredible. Yeah, we were sat... We were sat actually in the German section and I thought, oh, no, because, you know, I've been to a lot of male football uh, yeah. matches and I thought, oh, God, I hope it's all right. And it was the friendliest atmosphere I've ever, ever experienced. And there were kids there. Han was there. Weren't you up in the rafters, didn't you, Han? But I was with sat with son, the German... I mean, the first football match he ever saw. Can you imagine that? His first live football match was those that England women's final. It was such Amazing. a brilliant atmosphere. It was brilliant. And it just took me back. It took me back, Kelly, to like the 90s when you would go with all your yeah. fans. Family and it'd feel really and I'm not saying families don't go but now so much but it's really expensive so there are it yeah. is lacking families because you know people that love football could probably only afford to go themselves now not take the yeah, whole family true. it's become completely elitist let's get back to you so you grew up that way did you Croydon I did way? I was born in Croydon and um well I went to went to school well actually I went to school in a place called Biggin Hill um, oh yeah, it's a random little place in Kent, kind of ish near <laughs> Bromley. Yeah, so yeah. so it's Croydon to Biggin Hill, and then I moved again to to Orpington, 
don't know if you know that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, Obviously. <laughs> um, and then and then back to Croydon again and um, and now I'm in Catford. So I've I've got I've gone very small kind of area. So so did you move about schools then? Did you have a couple of schools growing up? Yeah, I up? did. So um I ch- changed to go to Oh, some stuff happened when I was younger, basically. So I had to, I had to go. We had to go and move house and um, move schools and, and everything. And um, so I started off going to infant and then moved to a different place in in Alpington. Right. And then as soon as soon as I could, I left. Um, it's called Darrett Wood anyway, the place I went to. Just a normal state yeah. mixed school, yeah, loads yeah. of boys, loved it <laughs> for a little bit, and then. <laughs> And then went to, went to Brit School as, as soon as I was 15. And, ha- and how did you hear about the Brit School? Well, it was in the olden days and there wasn't any, like, internet and stuff like yeah. that. I don't, I don't even know how I've heard about... I think it was in the New Shopper. Do you remember the New wow. Shopper magazine? The New <laughs> Shopper? Oh, did my you? God. I used to deliver the New Shopper. Did you? <laughs> yeah. That was my first ever job. Now, I never... So, just a quick story. They used to get delivered to me at my poor mum and dad's house. We used to get the new shopper delivered, like hundreds of these bloody newspapers. And do you know what? I In the end, I never used to do it, and my dad used to go around and do it in the car. Oh. What a, what what a legend. legend. What is it? A magazine what about a what? It's a free paper, you know, like a South London free oh, thing. Oh, OK, like, yeah. OK. The new shopper. God, I've not thought about that in years. It's, it's got, like, like, just, like, local stories in it, and then, you know... The local bed company yeah, do, yeah. does de- deals at the back, and you can <laughs> sell stuff before eBay was around. And, right, and so that, I think I think there was like a, a, a picture of um, Brit School or something in it, and it just someone doing a leap jump, and you're like, <gasps> <gasps> fame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it was something like that, and I was like, wow, I can't believe it was it was free. Yeah, and yeah, and that you could just. Anyone could go there. And so at school, did you find like were you just like I loved you loved acting? You like were you really just drawn to it from a young age? How did you get into it? Are your parents into it? Like what's your what's the No. My mum and dad are, com- are really not into it and kind of like make a point of not being into it where <laughs> um I once played um Ophelia up at um Stafford Castle um, when I left EastEnders and it was like a big deal for me going off to do a bit of bit, a bit, yeah, of, bit, part, a bit of Shakespeare yeah. and I wasn't at the RSC you know but it was in Stinner Castle which was cool and they came all the way up to um, to have a Chinese basically in Stafford <laughs> and, and didn't come and see the show oh stop <laughs> I didn't watch it no <laughs> Because they just thought, oh, don't really, don't really understand Shakespeare, Cal. So, oh. <laughs> it's a shame, isn't it? Because I know my family have felt like that. They've not come to see what they'd call a posh play. So, like, oh, we won't get it, Lauren. I'm like, I bet you fucking will. I bet you will. It's just everyone else makes you believe that you can't but understand you can't, Shakespeare. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, listen, I've been to some Shakespeare's and not understood a word because they're done badly. Yeah. So I'm not so. But, but when it's done well, it's of course it's like it's it's accessible, it's, isn't it? There's this thing about Shakespeare, isn't there, where it's like you know I, I'm still as an actress a bit terrified of it because of I just think like oh all that flowery language I won't be able to do it because I've been told people like you don't do Shakespeare. Or I was told back in the day. That's because there's loads of like, I love Shakespeare and I've directed a few, but there's just so much bollocks spoken about Shakespeare on purpose by people who want to make it seem closed and very, you know, when people, you know, when I've directed it, you'll get a couple of actors who are like, oh, do you know if that's how it was referred to in the first folio? I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. No one cares. You know, Jean, who's coming to watch it, doesn't care how it was referred to in the first folio. She just wants to know, like, what the hell it means and should she engage with that character and follow their story? And you're only speaking like that to make other people feel like idiots. Yeah. From a scholar's point of view, if you want to teach it at university or look at the history of it, of course, but in a rehearsal room, I've got no patience with it. No. Let's go back to school, actually. So did you did you find so you were sort of leaning towards the drama, like you're just sort of naturally doing it then, like looking at teleprograms again, I want to be in that. Is it just sort of a natural prog- progression? Um, well, the first thing that made me want to be an actor is when I saw um, Rodinini's Pink Windmill um, and Grot Bags and Tea Bag and <laughs> oh T-shirt and all that. And I just thought, wow. And I couldn't believe that they got paid to... 
you know, to 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 mess around and have like um, rice krispies stuck on their face and be all yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so that was that, that that was when I was about six or seven. And then when I was at school, I just felt I felt a bit stupid. I suppose um, I didn't. I wasn't in the high sets for things. Um, I wasn't really pushed. And I just was kind of like coasting along. And when I was doing drama, I felt that that I was good at something. But I was also learning because obviously when you re- when you read plays, you delve into like different parts of history. You learn stuff, you know, geography. It 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 span, fans out, doesn't it, to so many other things, and about emotions and all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just it just it filled me more than. And then edu- that mainstream of education did without sounding too too wanky. So, so school just didn't click, and I felt I just felt a bit a bit thick when I was there. And um, yeah, like I said, when I saw the thing in in New Shopper, I just was like, Mum, can I please try this? And and you know, my mum and dad never stopped me from doing anything, whatever, whatever I wanted to do. Um, oh, I tell you what else happened. I had a really good drama teacher. At, um, oh God, so important! Isn't at it? normal school, called Kim, <laughs> and um, she she was very complimentary, and it gave it gave me that that, that little boost of confidence. Oh, it's important those teachers along the way that go. You should give that a go, you know. Yeah, definitely. My husband's a teacher, and um, and I think he's just the best thing ever. And when he comes back and he tells me about some of the kids, and and when he gets like when they, yeah. when they make him little cards and things and like oh, it, it, I just yeah. think oh, thank fuck for you Phil like going out there and making some kids feel yeah. like they you know good at something and worth yeah. it and that and that what that is those things are a feasible career as well because I was oh, I remember when I sat in my careers advice remember you used to go and sit with one of those careers advisors <laughs> oh, and you go yes. and say oh, what you wanted to do yeah um and uh yeah she I mean she was not too bad I mean she was just like I mean you you can't be an actor and I said well I was already like at a dance school so I sort of knew you could because there was other kids there going to Sylvia Young's and stuff I was like well you can be an actor (laughs) and there's yeah and those people on that TV are doing it so I do know it's a career but she was like you'd be better off like you know doing um doing some um science and doing like become a PE teacher or something you're good at football or whatever But I know loads of other people have been in with their careers advisors. Just like it wasn't, especially back when we went to school, you just that wasn't a career really in normal comprehensive. Yeah. I went to a comprehensive Thomas Tallis in oh, South yeah, London. I, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. Kelly in the time, yeah, yeah. I went to Thomas Tallis, and uh, they, uh, my careers advisor, like I, I marched in, marched into the porter cabin, saying I wanted to be a theatre director. She was literally like. <laughs> My, yeah, my careers advisor um, suggested I be a hairdresser. And I think if we all look at my hair now, we can agree that would not have been a wise... T- I don't know why, though. Like, I hadn't suggested anything about wanting to... like any- I think she said, oh, you're quite creative. I was like, right. I remember that because it was my 16th birthday. So you went to the Brit School, which, by the way, I've got to give a shout-out to Brit School because it's so incredible. They've been Amazing. doing it for so many years. The only One of the only non-fee-paying performing arts colleges mm-hmm. out there and it makes it possible for kids like you and I Kelly like to go and train and aren't the facilities incredible better than any drama school that you pay tens of thousands of pounds to go to the facilities are incredible just the, aren't they? Just like, the atmosphere there because it's yeah ev- it's electric and it? everybody really want, wants to be there don't, don't they and yeah and it's the first time you're experiencing that as a teenager going oh I'm where I belong yeah and it and, and because of it being free You've you've got a real mishmash of people. Yeah, you must must have been there the same time as me, surely. Yeah, I was like ninety six to ninety eight. Well, maybe I just missed you then. I went. I was there with Dane Bowers. Oh, you you so you name dropper you. Me and Dane Bowers. <laughs> <laughs> but when I got to the Brit School, that like you said, there was tons of working class kids there. It was really diverse. Yeah. And it just felt like I didn't. I just, it was the first time in in any sort of education where I felt like I was finally being like myself. Yeah, oh, yeah me not too. Being someone me else. too. Just could just be, and it was just exciting, wasn't it? And people like make it, mm. and they celebrate your class and your difference, don't they? They celebrate. They don't try and knock it out of you. And that's when you get to drama school <laughs> afterwards. After yeah. you just found found yourself as it's kind of as a teenager. Yeah. And you go drama school, and they say, "Oh no, change your name, change your voice." Change the way you. Yeah. So, was that what happened for you next? Was it drama school after Brit school? Yeah, because I because I could because of my 
my mum and dad not being connected in the business and I didn't really know how how to how to to get a yeah. job or an agent yeah. or what do I do and even though the Brit was good with a couple of auditions and stuff it's not it's not really facilitated is it in that way to kind of, it's not like it hasn't got an agency it's all about just just no. do, doing bits of work isn't it and so when you left it was a bit like okay right what what do I need to do isn't it mm. and what 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 is the next step and so I I was I was working in a in a nursing home in Dartford called Broad, Broadgate Manor is this after and, the uh, school yeah yeah uh, and um and and I worked on the cloak rooms at BAFTA actually oh, as you? well which was really great because I got to see loads of famous yeah. people and see what they were really like <laughs> um yeah right and and then when I was working there, I, I, that's how I paid for my, my money to go to do the auditions because oh, um, okay. you had to pay for them. Yeah. Um, and so auditioned for a couple of them, only a couple because they're so expensive. Yes, yeah, imagine it. Yeah, and it still is, obviously. I know you've spoken about this before. Yeah. Um, again, elitist, elitist. Yeah, of course it is. And then I got into a place called Weber Douglas, oh which doesn't God, exist God. anymore. Weber Douglas, Douglas was Weber amazing, Douglas. but it doesn't exist, does it? How yeah, sad. it was. Didn't it join with like Central or something like that? It kind of did, and it kind of just fizzled out, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and some like really big names came from Weber Douglas, because I remember looking at that prospectus and going, oh, that looks posh. Yeah, Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp, <laughs> come on. I mean, big name. <laughs> um, Angela Lansbury, RIP. She, oh, she was right. there. Did she go to Webber Douglas? Yeah. Fucking love Angela. Oh, God, so sad about Angela Lansbury. I know, That I broke know. my heart. I know, 97, though. It's all right, that, isn't it? That's bloody good, isn't it? <laughs> and, an, and a career that spans decades and decades. Like, what, what a legend. Yeah. I saw her on stage once and oh, um, she, she forgot her line. And um, she, it, it's, it's the only time I've ever been, I went to Broadway to w- watch a mate in a show and uh, not, you know, and experience New, New York, not just to go and see a show. <laughs> we sure and, just, uh, just flying over <laughs> to see a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not friends anymore, actually. We had a massive falling out. But anyway, that's not sure. Um, <laughs> Hi, if you're listening <laughs> yeah, and you want to reach out, let us know. <laughs> Um, so I went to go, go and see. It was in um, a little night music. And, oh um, yes, yes, I remember she did that. Yeah. Oh, and the the woman who who's got an amazing career, who was in the Darling Buds of May originally. But oh, mine's oh, gone blank. Catherine Zeta Jones. Yes, she was in it as well. And sure. um, and yes, yeah, so, so Angela, Angela, she she forgot her line and she just stood on stage and went line and everyone just stood up and clapped and went yeah they just loved it isn't they that mad they loved it that she forgot yeah <laughs> and then when she got it back again there was a massive clap again I was like wow this I place know. is nuts I know Broadway something else isn't it <laughs> yeah you walk on stage and they applaud I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So you... You go to Weber Douglas, right? And you sort of suggested maybe was that the first time you thought, oh, like aware of class and oh yes, how you spoke and where you'd come from. A hundred percent. I it never ever occurred to me about class or anything like that beforehand. It's only when you start getting um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like tight cast. Maybe we, we're going round in a big circle saying, "What do you think your casting is and stuff?" And so, oh, I hate that question. I know, and um, also you're at drama school. How are you supposed to know that yet? Like, do you know what I mean? I don't know. Let me get out there and have a go, and then we can talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and, but then it was all like, you know, like wench and this and that. I don't mind. I love wenches. I always got prostitute. I always got prostitute. Prostitute being great, great, great parts, really. And Uh, yeah, policewoman. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, and you're, you're doing it now, aren't you? I suppose in yes, screen. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. A prison guard, yeah. Any sort of authority. That's your upwardly kind of... mobile part, though, isn't it? It's like that is my upwardly like, mobile. Yeah, you've, definitely. You've done a rise from prostitute to like prison guards. Quite. <laughs> I remember Kelly at drama school. We did it. Are you upstairs or downstairs? Yes, we did that too. <laughs> everyone, went, everyone went. Laura is definitely downstairs. I went. Yes, where the interesting characters are. So don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But that's funny though, like you just get pigeonholed so much, so quickly. Think, yeah, fucking hell. And then it kind of stays with you, doesn't it? And you, then you feel like you can't do those other. And how, how did you get through drama school? Did you get a scholarship? Yeah, I got. I got a. It's called a Dada yeah. Award. Dance, yes, and drama a dance and drama award. award. I too Dada. got one of those, Kelly. Yeah, Yay. I don't think that, do they exist anymore. They since don't. The bloody don't. Because you would have gone to drama school when I did around about the same time the yeah. Labour government was in and there were just scholarships galore oh, and it was just brilliant. like meant yeah. that loads of working class kids and people from deprived backgrounds could train. Yeah. yeah. So I got that for two years and then the third year it, um, I had, we had to pay for it ourselves and so oh, because yeah. I worked at, ba- at BAFTA and um, I'd written to all the people, I got all the addresses of all the famous people oh, wow. and I well done. wrote to them and I got Auntie Hopkins clang paid for my last year no oh, way God. that's amazing yeah. what an amazing man said, I know I said I'm in my, in my third year I can't afford to pay for it anymore um, and he was like great I've got a massive tax bill that'll do I'll write that on <laughs> <laughs> yeah well in fact he wrote back to me and said he just bought Snowdonia and he couldn't afford to pay for me and I was like and I wrote back again and I said well if you just pay for Snowdonia do you mind just giving us a little bit of cash and I promise I'll be really really grateful and I really hope I get to meet him at some point to say thank you. Oh, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> when um, uh, when I was trying to fund my Edinburgh show, me and my Dublap partner did the same. We wrote to loads of famous people. <laughs> and it was amazing. Like Miranda Hart gave us money. Victoria oh, Wood wow. gave us money. But we the, 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 the loveliest thing of all was June Whitfield put a tenner in a oh, card and sent it like in the it post to us. And honestly, that, like it was my birthday. And I was so fucking over the moon. Oh. So you finished drama school. Yeah. Then what happens? Right. So um, I was really lucky that somebody dropped out of, of, of the second year show. And so I was bumped up. It was to play um, an, an Essex girl in a, in a play called Outside Edge. I and... can't see that for you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so basically, so I ended up being in, in this show and... Um, a casting director called Di Carlin, who's not casting anymore, um, saw me in it and she got me in to play um, audition for, it's called Dr. Jekyll, well, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde is, Je- Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but it's a film and uh, it had John Hanna in it and it was to kind of play the, um, Julie, it was Julie, like the Julie Roberts part in, in the in the reboot, but but yeah. it, it it was like skanky yeah. wenchy part that I was doing not 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 the kind of like American-y beautiful yeah um and I was just really lucky that that, that I that I got it and then I went off to 
film that in Lithuania. That's amazing. So you so you go off to Lithuania, presumably you go back, you do your showcase, you get an agent and then you're on your way. Well, Is that right? Of, yeah, I did. I did. I did. I got an agent and everything. But I learned a really good thing where doing this film is with working title. It was, you know, a really big part. I thought I was going to be like the next big thing. And of course, sure. boom, um, like the film yeah. doesn't do as well as I, it, that it was going to be. It it yeah. kind of yeah, and it was a really good learning curve for me, like not to be like Billy Big shit basically, and yeah. um, and so early on, that's a big lesson. So early on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I went back to work at the nursing home. I was you know, doing bingo calling and um, you know doing catheters and colostomy bags, and it was the best thing for me because it keeps happening now. Yeah. My career, I think. Oh, this is it. Yeah. Oh, fucking no, it's not. You know. <laughs> never, never. I know. I think sometimes it can actually, I mean, it can be quite cruel for people. I noticed it in the pandemic, right? When everything went to shit, obviously, we, everyone in our industries, be that like theatre or film or whatever, everyone, everything just stopped overnight. And I noticed that some people who've perhaps yeah. had the sort of journey you're describing, which is up one minute, then back to the nursing home, and then another brilliant break, and coped with it quite well because we're just used to it but some people and resourceful we're resourceful yeah, the people who I know is really struggled are those people who sort of came straight out of college maybe into a West End lead have stayed there pretty solidly for a few years and then suddenly it all disappeared and they had no resilience to go in well this is the ups and downs that we sort of all experience and I think sometimes that happening to you early in your career is like a massive gift because it just takes the curse off, like, going forward, everything having to be a success, because it just can't be. You're not going to have a 30-year career yeah. where everything you do is... Is a hit, yeah. Is a hit. It's just unrealistic. So you're back in, you're back at the nursing home and it's not the end of the world, you're doing your bingo, but uh, what's the job that gets you out of there? What happens next? Firstly, at, at the um, when I was doing the bingo stuff, <laughs> I heard for the, for the first time ever. Do you know what what um, what sixty nine is known as when I called it out sixty nine? Do you know what they, the old people used to shout out? What no. dinner for two? Can you believe that? <laughs> and I just, I was so like, <laughs> I've never heard that. Why I've never heard a sitcom about bingo callers called Dinner for Two. I do not know. That I'm sure amazing. it's out there somewhere on someone's <laughs> shelf. Yeah. Go, we won't be making that. We won't be making Dinner for Two. <laughs> so even though obviously, like I wasn't doing doing my big acting career like I thought I was going to do, I, I laughed so much. I learned so much. I was like, fuck. It was um, it was an education working there. So how old were you when EastEnders come along? Um, I was 22 and I'd done, I'd done a really nice uh, period drama called um, uh, 20,000 Streets Under the Sky. It's still my favourite job ever. Um, I met my mates on it. and um, Did you play a wench in that one? Or? I played a prostitute. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I feel like that's a step up. <laughs> And um, and it spanned ten years, and it was great, you know, playing a character for for that wow. long, and um, from the twenties right through to the thirties. And Simon Curtis was the director, and it was just it was really beautifully written by uh, by Kevin Elliott, who passed away a couple of years ago. Aww. And, um, and so would you say that was a bit of a break, like a bit of a, oh, this is a yeah. big job, and this is going to make a difference, like it was, yeah, it was, it was. I felt like I did some good work. Yeah, in it. Like, yeah. I, I felt like I. I've been challenged a bit and and I've done something that was that that felt nice. Yeah. And the producer for that, Kate Harwood, was going off to EastEnders. Right, right. And then, so she then said, well, in fact, it was with the Wiggy, Anna Morena, who, who, who said it. I didn't give a work with her. But um, she was like, Kate, you work, you know, you're going off to EastEnders. Cal's perfect. Brilliant. She, kind of, she should be your agent, her, she said. <laughs> you bloody shit. So did things really changed for you like in terms of your life being in EastEnders was that like a because obviously you've done loads of work by then but there's something about being on someone's TV like three times a week isn't there like were you suddenly it was five nights a week back then wasn't it blimey yeah of course nearly yeah because you you because you were in it at a time when it was at its peak I think like we were talking to Louisa Lytton and um she was in it at oh, a real yeah. peak time and it's such a different I was there when Lou was there yeah you were there you were both there at a, a real peak time and 
and it was like Louisa said, it was like overnight success, really. Like I couldn't, I went into Primark the night, day after she'd like aired and it was like insane. Yeah. Um, did you find that? Yeah, it, it was, it was a, it's a weird, it's a different, yeah, different ki- kind of fame, I suppose, and, and where, where people feel that they really know you and you get followed and people come up to you in, I remember my mum, my mum had some bad news and she was, we were in Blue Water and she was, we went to a restaurant and she was crying and crying and this person was coming up to us, like just wouldn't leave us alone and it was just really inappropriate. Exactly, yeah. When I worked, when I worked there, because I was mentored by Barbara Windsor, who I love so much and I miss her like crazy, she was, she was so, you know, she taught me so much about, you know, obviously being, you know, very uh, gracious for, you know, to, 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 like fans, I suppose, like fans of the show and always having time for people. And I just had to keep reminding myself what Barbara was telling me because all I wanted to say was, God, can't you see my mum's crying? Like, this go, go away. But it's just like, it was it was constant. It's a different feeling about it, that kind of show. And um, and I do get it. And, I, and you know, without, pe- without, without people fans, being interested. Of course, of course. You're nothing. Yeah, of course. And it's hard to understand, isn't it, that we're, we are all normal. Uh, hold on, my mum's just having a cry here. Yeah. What did your parents think of it? What was your parents' reaction to? What have your parents? Because like, like, obviously they came up to Stafford. They were into the Chinese, but not the Shakespeare. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but EastEnders and stuff, and obviously all the other brilliant we've done, not just EastEnders, like all the film and TV stuff. Do they? How do they feel about it? How have they engaged with your success? Um, EastEnders. I don't want to be down on my mum and dad because they they really ha- you know have not. Uh, not let me do anything like I said before and they've always been oh, all right okay what well, you know whatever go for yeah, whatever you want yeah but I do remember when I got it they were their attitude was like oh I have to go we have to watch that now we have to watch that crap now <laughs> I literally love your parents so much <laughs> what brilliant people to have as levelers though there's no chance of you getting like carried away is there <laughs> I know, but I think that's why I've got issues. <laughs> I do. I mean, and so, and so, how was life post EastEnders? Like, did you was it? Um, did you find it difficult? Because I know it's easy to get typecast. I mean, we we were typecast anyway, being working class, as we've discovered. You know, wench, prostitute, etc. Yeah. Um, but then you, there's a different type of typecasting that happens with, with soaps, isn't there? Yeah, I found more that when I when I came out of it that certain casting directors wouldn't see me because I was a soap actress. Yeah. I mean, even now, actually, that, that, that I still have a little bit of that. I re- we need to go down the pub so we can have a good old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and name and shame. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. No, but it's interesting you say that because Louisa felt the same as well and has felt the same coming out in and out of EastEnders and saying that, yeah, there are some casting directors that won't see Yeah. Her. Do you know what? It's really funny, isn't it? I mean, I've not worked in America loads, but I've worked there a little bit. And... I was an associate on a Broadway show, but the the cast in that show were people who were doing big TV shows. Uh, you know, okay, so Christine Baranski was in that play. She just finished doing Mamma Mia the musical. We were doing the play was like a a farce that was on Broadway. She was in that. Then she was off to do some Shakespeare. Then she was, and I was just like, we just even with our biggest stars we just don't allow people to move that easily from one thing to another we're right even within like we're just deeply suspicious of that for some reason yeah yeah like we go oh no you can't you know you can't be but you are doing that like you've yeah you're doing you probably don't feel like that but that's look at your cv you go bloody hell that isn't easy in this country that's so class bound to go to the RSC, then do EastEnders, be at the National, do film. It's like, it's an amazing, you are moving around a lot more than a lot of people do. So obviously like your career's going brilliantly and you're doing that with, you know, you've had children in the middle of all of that as well. And like, honestly, I was... (laughs) I knew you'd done loads, but honestly, just going through your CV, I was like, wow, like, is, this is a CV. Like, it's this is a proper example of a proper jobbing actress that's been jobbing over decades. And it's like, that is actually the reality of this industry, you know, well, your career. Well, that's a, a really successful one. Do you, I mean, obviously, we're all coming at this from a much more privileged place now than how we grew yeah. up and stuff. Do you... 
do you still feel very working class? Do you, do you still consider yourself working class? Do you still very connected to that? I do. I think it's partly to do with where I live in South London that that I feel like I'm with my people. Yeah. And yeah. when I lived in Crouch End, um, when I was working on EastEnders, I felt very not like yeah, that. It's, it's quite middle class, Crouch End. <laughs> yeah, it just was. It just jarred. It wasn't right. But now I'm here in Catford, and yeah. I, I feel. I see some sights and <laughs> I feel like I'm part of something, part of a community. And but because but I'm very lucky because of EastEnders, I, I, I bought a bloody house when I was 23. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? And that's who my mum and dad. They were like, make sure you you do it. You but you get yourself in the property ladder now. And, and because and thank God because because I wouldn't have been able to without that gift of a job. Yeah. But then because I've got own a house, that makes me feel like. My working class, yeah, like roots and that. Also, it's about like I always, me and Hannah always talk about this on the podcast when we bore our listeners to death. But it's about <laughs> that. Actually, I don't want to be anything else. I don't want to be. I I want to stay really rooted. I don't know if that's the same for you, but I'm really proud of my roots. I'm, I never used to be. I used to, as a youngster, I used to like when I went to my posh dance school, I used to try and speak posh and whatever. But now I like. I just really embrace it, and I just yeah, I I, I love my people I love where I come from and I'm really proud of it yeah it's important isn't it it's it's to feel part of something and be part of know where you're from and take things you know you know don't take things for granted and all, all those things I mean we are so privileged aren't yeah. we living now because yeah. you get goatees wanky swanky awards and it's all you know putting ourselves in the back and how do you just really quickly how do you feel at those wanky swanky awards do you feel out of place still or do you feel like no I'm fucking I'm in this I should yeah um I mean I haven't been invited to them for a little bit but <laughs> <laughs> you will I think well, I so but a bit of both really because I, I I used to um be, be waitressing as well as um I used to do the, the soap awards and going to going along you know with, 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 with volivons and everything and meeting people and seeing it from that side and then yeah. going along being an actor and seeing it from the other side and I feel quite privileged to have seen yeah done both yeah, yeah but um when I go every now and again to like BAFTA or something I, I always pinch myself and go wow this is fucking cool but at the same time I like coming back to Catford yeah yeah how have you felt in some of those like spaces that are so traditionally seen as sort of middle and upper middle class like going to the rsc and how how was all have those things been have those spaces felt all right have they have you had a bit of imposter syndrome there or yeah of course i remember when i when i was at um at weber dick weber g and um wd the, the the vocal coach carol who passed away quite recently she's she um that that classic thing of saying you know you're never going to work at RSC never going to work at uh, um, you know, doing Shakespeare because the way you speak. And but then when I was there, my, my twins were from nine months to eighteen months old, and I was just Blimey. wow, Kelly, Jesus. Um, I was I was in in the thick of it, and so I didn't really uh, absorb it all, I suppose, because I was just breastfeeding and. <laughs> You're running yeah, back that, at that's so important, wasn't it? It's probably brilliant in a way that you were like, oh, I'm not going to worry about how I'm speaking. I've got, I've got to get no. back and you know, breastfeed and yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, the RSC were amazing. But by the way, with, with allowing me to to have my, you know, not allowing me to have my twins up there, but you know, making that job work. I had an amazing director, Blanche McIntyre, who who really, really like, yeah, didn't make you me. feel, you know, terrible. That you had no. to rush off and stuff. That's super important, isn't it? So good, and let them come into rehearsals every now and again, yeah. and yeah, because without that support from her in particular, and I wouldn't have been able to do that job. And my husband, I think it's really important, isn't it? Like Hannah and I have both taught at drama schools, and I, I that narrative where, particularly when we went to drama school, I think it's really changed now. It's definitely changed. It's definitely changed because that language, Changing. you know, saying to somebody, "Oh, you'll never do Shakespeare because how you speak." And it's not that teacher's fault at the time. It's what she had learned or they had learned and they were just passing on what they thought and how the industry worked back then. But those things harm over time, don't they? They sort of, they dig deep and they sit there and go, well, you you don't, someone like you who speaks like you doesn't belong there. I've always thought, oh, I'll never work at the RSC. I don't think that now, but I did coming out of drama school because I just thought, well, 
posh people that speak posh go and do Shakespeare, didn't they? And 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 also educated people uh, go and uh, and do Shakespeare and stuff. But it is it's a, I think it is a narrative that has definitely changed over time. And I know Hannah and I have been in drama schools, and we can certainly say for where we've worked, that narrative has changed, hasn't it, Hannah? And it's important. Definitely, you've such a responsibility when you're teaching in drama schools to go. You can do anything. Yeah. That was always my motto. My motto, get out there. Who knows? Keep, don't close off anything. Get all the doors open and see what fucking <laughs> goes and get in it. You know, like, that's it, right? Maybe back to being scrappy. There you go. That's it. Right. Back to being scrappy. The thing it's is, the same now. Go on, sorry. Go on. Sorry, I think, like, with, with being a mum, though, as well, like, those doors sometimes feel like they do shut for you with certain things because it's... Because it is, you know, you've ex- you've experienced, haven't you, Hannah? With I suppose, with like trying to have a family and work at the same time. And I feel really like I've, there's a few things in my life that I've felt really sort of passionate about <clears throat> being loud about. One of them is about, you know, the fact that I can speak like this and you know be a South London girl, and it doesn't mean that I can't direct Ibsen, which is something I say mm. a lot. Like, there's no reason why not the two things don't cancel each other out. And also, I left having a baby. If I'm honest, till really late. I didn't have my son. I got well, not really late, but I was 38 when I got pregnant. He was born when I was 39, and um, I I think I left it later than I might have because I absolutely couldn't believe that I could carry on being a director and be a mum because I just haven't really seen that many women successfully doing that it's not to say not that's not putting it at their door the industry just wasn't set up for that so when I had a baby I was like right I've got to dig deep here and be really visible with him so he went to rehearsals and he went to production meetings and I wheeled him into rooms full of men where I was having production meetings and I was like, he's a, he's a baby, you know, he's, he's here, we'll be, he'll sleep, it'll be fine. And actually, it was amazing how many women got in touch and said, oh, it's been really amazing to see, see you doing that. But it felt really, really scary. It yeah. felt really scary. Oh, fair play. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I wish I was there to see that as well. It's, it's, it's important, isn't it? And then it, then it bleeds down, doesn't it? And then hopefully, yeah, like you're saying, like I feel so, one of the best things about my job is that I can have women in, or not only women, you know, people with care responsibility can be men. It's mostly women, let's be honest. But, it, you know, in the company and say, it's all right, like you can leave for the school run. Don't feel like you've got to lie. Don't feel like you've got to pretend you haven't got kids. Of course I can give you the rehearsal schedule in advance. Yet no worries, come in, I'll make sure you don't need to be in by 9.30, whatever. And it's just a lovely thing to be able to do that for people. It's, you know. I mean, a much bigger conversation is how it stops for women, how it, like when you are an actor and you have children and how it can just totally, totally stop. I've seen it with loads of my mates who were really job, you know, jobbing actors and they stop, they have kids and they can't get back into the industry. And that, that I find... Just, yeah, really, it's really shit. To be continued. To be continued, 100%. Kelly, like, uh, it, we've got so much in common. It's amazing. We could talk forever. We're going to have to have And that. we do have to go down the pub. We're going to have to go down the pub you... and carry it on for sure. I mean, it's actually currently only 10.30 in the morning, so let's not go right now. But, well, I don't know why not. Actually, why not? It's Friday. Um, listen, thank you so much. It's been so amazing. We could carry on talking forever and ever. But uh, I know, we're going to have to let you go eventually. The um, So we always finish each week by asking our guests, saying, like, we've been celebrating you for the last hour. Who thank would you... you <laughs> was a working-class hero of yours that you might like to celebrate? Is there someone you can think of? Well, I, I can honestly think of so many... Uh, um, I would I would say my my mum um is one of the but can I have two? I'd say my mum because um she worked in a nurse and then um where where we live down in Orpington there's a big traveller community and she set up um a, doc, a surgery. She went back to do she'd an open university course and she set up her own little doctor's surgery because lots of people in the traveling community didn't want to go to the the doctor or the hospital and it was just an, an amazing it was amazing wow. and she she is a brilliant human being so her getting emotional it's because i'm pregnant so i'm just like oh Um, i didn't know you're pregnant (laughs) congratulations didn't know (laughs) it's just also why i'm like this whole stuff about um talking about parents and yeah Yeah, visibility like so much in the forefront of my mind and also like your parents have had a massive you know hand in your 
and where you are now like that's you know they they let you go off and I say let you but they they encourage you to yeah. go off and they've been supportive the whole time uh, what's your mum's name it's called Mickey I love that yeah and then and then you wanted someone else oh and then the, yeah the other is is so um I work at Lucian Food Bank uh, just just once a week and it's su- such a Work, like working class community and there, there's a guy he doesn't work there anymore but he's called Gary and he is he, oh, he he's just the, the best the best guy and so generous and so thoughtful and just dedicated his life to, um, to the trust to, you know, to the trust or trust the food bank and um yeah and uh, him 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 he's yeah I've had great conversations with him he's opened my eyes to so much he's educated me and wow. he's a proper like South East London, old bloke. He's full of yeah. gold. Oh, he sounds amazing, Kelly. So listen, we are celebrating Mickey. Yeah. Gary. Yes. And you, Kelly <laughs> Shirley. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, it's been just, I feel like I've known you forever. So we're definitely, the four of us, going to get down that pub. The four of us, I mean, Michelle, she's there, guys, our producer. Um, but honestly, thank, thank you. you so Love much. It. It's like, and and good luck with the baby. Good luck <gasps> with everything coming your way. And um, Thanks, yeah, we'll, thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting. Thank you. Bye. Oh, do you know what? I feel like Kelly is lived a very sort of parallel life to to us two. She's a real South London girl, which is something yeah. very close to my heart. Yeah. She's a Brits girl. She's very close to your heart. Yeah, and uh, just an all round good egg. Yeah, and dipped out, <laughs> dipped in and out of theatre and TV, and and yeah, I just um, I take my hat off to her and doing that and and having kids and still going like it's hard. It's hard to keep going. I've seen it with my mates that have had kids. It's really hard to, you know, A, get back into the industry. Um, but, yeah, I actually feel like I've known her for years. You know, we often sometimes get those guests where we've literally never met them and then we're like, right, we need to go down the pub with this person. She's so brilliant and, um, yeah, just like one of us, really. I literally feel, I can't wait for her to get down to Hyde and us hang out on the beach. I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> She's amazing. You will invite me, won't you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll be back, of course, <laughs> next week with uh, another amazing guest. I feel so lucky. What brilliant guests we get. We really are so lucky. We are, aren't we? And yeah. you're all right too, Law. You're not too bad yourself. So, oh, yeah. thanks, babe. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. And remember, K-Pekalase. I take it back. <laughs> Proper Class podcast is produced by Michelle Farr-Scott for Randa B Productions, edited by James Torrance, with music by Tommy Music. Mm, why don't I believe you there, Hannah? Mm, maybe it's your tone. Uh, anyway, we are back in a couple of weeks' time. We're not here next week, folks, because, uh, well, quite frankly, we have lives. Well, we don't, actually. We just have work commitments, and that's really boring, isn't it? Uh, but we will be back in a couple of weeks with uh, some some new guests, some new and exciting guests. So, um, so join us then, and uh, until then, enjoy the sunshine. Get a fan on you. It's bloody boiling, isn't it? And remember, whilst you're doing that, keep it classy. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.